Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is World Forms and Fighting Champion John Chong, and you're listening to the AMAA Legends and Pioneers Radio Blog Show with Professor Gary Lee and the Sport Karate Museum Archives. Protecting the history, one warrior at a time. Enjoy. Well, aloha and mahalo, and golly bum, Merry Christmas to everybody. We have a really, really special show tonight because I got a Texas competitor I'm going to talk to him about. But before I bring him on, I got to introduce my producer and the man who put on the Fort Cry Museum, helped put together the history book, and put me on the air for the past eight years. Golly bum, the one and only Hanchi Jesse Bowen. Hanchi, are you there, sir? I am, sir. How are you doing? Merry Christmas, my old friend. How are you tonight? <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas to you too, sir. Hey, you know I me. Mean? I'm always better, better, and better. Always keeping my kicks up, moving forward. Well, I, I know that we got a few things to talk about before we talk about what you're doing with the book and everything for Alan and Bam and things. Tell people how they can get their special sport quite museum ornament or order the history book that we that you published and just tell me a little bit about how to do that for Christmas, please. Not a problem. Uh well, you know, again, you know, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, you know, really the easiest way is just go to the website, which is the sport karate museum history book dot com. You know, we have the Christmas ornaments, we have the books, we have the T-shirts, you know, if you're a fan, then, you know, we try to think from a fan perspective and put those things there available for you and really, you know, go and purchase it and show, you know, your support for the Sport Karate Museum. There's a lot of a lot of things there. I mean, uh, you know, I always believe in all of our events is we don't let them die. They're always moving forward, uh, keeping that excitement. It's not just a... Uh, a one event and then it's done. That event runs all year long. It can, it, that event, the momentum can run forever. So you know, get your ornaments, shirts, books, and uh, show your support for the museum. Well, tell us about what you're doing for. You know, I, I spent some time today with Alan, and he's excited about what he's be doing in January. His, you know, his event. But you, aren't you, didn't you publish a book for him? Recently? Well, this is actually the third book that we published for his event, and, uh, you know, which is really great because, uh, you know, you, the, when you're more you practice, the better you become, and you know, people, Goldberg, uh, as well as yourself, have entrusted these events to us, and, you know, so we've had, uh, you know, two very successful books, and so we're working on the third book. It's a history book for, uh, for his event. So, you know, we're really excited about that. You know, our, you know, we've got John that introduced us tonight, John Chung, and uh, the cover of uh, this month's uh, magazine, the Masters and Pioneers magazine, which is in support of our show, which is the Masters radio show. Uh, John is on the cover, which is going to be a really great uh, magazine. It's going to release in probably about another week. Uh, but we do have the... Masters and Pioneers, the Martial Arts Extraordinaire magazine is out, and it's available on that. Well, I'm going to get you excited. I know it's hard to get you really excited, but 
Alan confirmed today that I will get to roast him in 2024. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm keeping a little surprised for 2023. Of course, this year we're doing Judge Roy Kerbin. But that's exciting that I get to honor Alan because, you know, Alan's been around a long time. He's done a lot of things for a lot of people. And, you know, it's just a way of saying thank you to him. So 2024, the roasting of Alan Goldberg is confirmed. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> well, well, it is, sir. Like I said, uh, he does a lot. He is, you know, uh, he's one of those guys that I try to mentor that creates successful events and uh you know and, and you know he's always supported me and that's what you look for people that are really uh at, that are at the top of event promotions that are really willing to extend their hand out and and not just give you a hand but to pull you up and and uh you know so yeah so he's a phenomenal person really respect him and grateful for all he's done for me well it's gonna be a, a great great event for him but, you know, thank you so much for what you've done for us for the past eight years. And, again, I want to ask you, I think we're less than, what, 100 or close to about, you know, to hit 14,000 people. So tell people how they yep. can subscribe and be a part of that goodness over that 14,000 mark. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, the easiest thing to do is, is go to the website and, you know, have people to – there they can follow us, and every time we have a show come on, they receive a notification of what you can do. You know, I'm going to post a link and everything into the uh, Facebook, but on our on our page. But share it. You know, if you're here uh, participating on the program, then you know grab that link and you know your your voice is on the program, and share it so your students, your family, your friends they can hear that you're making input. Uh, into the martial arts, you know that's you know, you know my whole thing about you know whether it's the book or whether it's the radio show program, you know if we don't have people listening to the program, it's really a waste of our time. So every week we try to you know have our guests on, and we want them to share it. We want the community to share it. Uh, that's in our Facebook page because yeah, we're 150 clicks away from uh, you know that 14,000. Uh, we really would like to take and have that hit at the end of this month. Take the link that, that you'll get, receive, and remember, share it with your students, your family, your friends, you know, so they can know, you know, what we're doing and support the program. Well, thank you so much for what you do and what you've done for the Sport Karate Museum and for the journey that we've had for the past eight years. And, again, we've got a great, great, End of month show leading up to course, Mr. Goldberg, who always opens up our first show of the year, first of January. But next week we got Ron Charles, one of the head top Hollywood stunt coordinators in America, and of course we'll end it with Roy Kerbin, who will be roasting it this year. But again, thank you, and God bless you and Gwen. I wish you guys a Merry Christmas, sir. All right, sir. Same to you. Bless you. God bless you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have an amazing, well, two co-hosts that help me every week. And tonight, AJ's taking the night off, but I've got the other one here, the one and only Dean Pyle. Dean, where you at? I'm right here, sir. Hey, buddy, hang on to your seat, though. We've got a great show tonight. 
but you have to help me a little bit because AJ's taking the night off. He has something special come up. So uh, me and you, okay, we can handle it. Okay, buddy? Oh, yeah. Yep, working stunt fighting, working <clears throat> judo and jiu-jitsu, and running the radio show. We got it. No problem. Cool. Well, listen, I've got, a, I've got a very special guest tonight, and she's going to be a guest host on the 6th. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. She is, well, she is actually one of my best friends. She's a media expert. She's been in front of the camera all her life, and she, she's an amazing person. She's the Tang Sujo master. And I know this because I was there at her test in Greenville, South Carolina at Sam Chapman's when Joe Corley and A.J. Perry all tested her for a master's rank. I'm talking about the one, the only, Karen Eden Herdman. Karen, are you there? Hey, hey. Merry Christmas, hey. everybody. Hi, Dean. Hi, y'all. How you doing? Hey. Well, w- welcome to my show, Karen. Golly bum. You know, we've been on the air now for quite a few years, and you've got your amazing show, and, you know, I'm going to bring you on this a little bit. You'll be a part of the six, and we've got a question to answer with the other five people, but I wanted to introduce you personally to the listeners to understand that you are a mentor to me, Karen. I've always, I've followed you, especially since we've become friends, but you're such a great motivational speaker. And by the way, I got a special, special treat just for you tonight with my interview, and I'm going to bring him on right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I always get excited when I get to bring on someone from Texas, and this man is a mainstay in Texas, but he lives in Florida now with one of my dear friends, Miss Lori Tolman. I'm talking about Mr. Barry K. Byers. Barry, are you there, sir? Hello, ho, ho, ho. I am hey, here hey. the Sports to the Karate show. Museum show and Gary Lee. And uh, thank you so much for having me uh, on the show. It's uh, a really a special event during this season and time. And most of us that have been around this business uh, for most of our lives and all of our lives, it's just gratitude. It's just gratitude to come together and, and speak in this form of unity. Thank you again for having me on the show. Well, thank you. Is Laurie there beside you? Is Laurie there? Uh, Laurie's, Laurie's always here with me. That's my manager and my agent uh, and has uh, created uh, great paths and avenues, uh, not just for my life, but for the lives that we enjoy most in martial arts. Uh, Laurie, well, make sure you, you tell us hello. hello. Make sure you tell us hello. Hey, Laurie. Okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Barry Byers is an eighth-degree black belt underneath the Sport Karate Museum. He's a former kickboxer, but I'll let him talk a little bit about what he does. Now, Barry, what would you start with, and what year did you make black belt? Uh, well, it's a, it's a long story, really, uh, because uh, I started uh, in 1966 at the Fort Worth Panthers Boys Club, in which uh, the great uh, and late uh, Pat Burleson volunteered his time. Uh, He volunteered his time at the Panthers Boys Club in Fort Worth, Texas, for kids that were being abused, and uh, I was one of those kids that happened to be in that uh, list. Uh, The Fort Worth Police Department and my dad, who was in the military, was at large, 
uh, took me to Panthers Boys Club, introduced me, and I began my journey for a few years uh, in the Panthers Boys Club learning uh, how to defend myself, which, which actually saved my life. Um, and I can say that two years after that point, uh, I was enlisted in the United States Military Academy as a combat kid for the United States government. And that was because my dad was a Chickasaw and was flying Strategic Air Command uh, for this country. So as I, as, as I was enlisted into the San Marcos Military Academy uh, as a combat kid, uh, I was just uh, approaching, uh, you know, just almost two, two digits. I was 11 and 12 uh, by the time I finished um, my uh, run through four years of military academy training. Uh, and in that training, uh, there was hand-to-hand. I took classic fencing. Uh, fencing was a great love of mine, as well as judo and wrestling. Uh, they, they trained us into rifle management and combat skills and strategies. Uh, and these are things that were done before I was 12 years old. Uh, by the time I, I did reach 12 years old, uh, I was asked if I wanted to join uh, a professional wrestling group uh, under uh, Cal Farley. Uh, Cal Farley uh, at Cal Farley's Boys Ranch uh, allowed me the induction into his uh, team and I began uh, learning uh, more about uh, uh, wrestling. But also, I met a great man named um, Ray Heredia, who was a Hapkido uh, master. And that's why I began Hapkido. And from there, it just continued to blossom in my life until uh, I was uh, now, nearly 16 how, how years old. How were you when you got involved with Travis Everett? Well, okay, after after uh, Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, I was about 16. Uh, my first public school uh, opened up to me, which was um, in uh, Bel Air in Houston, Texas. Uh, Bel Air High School was my first school in the public uh, domain. And uh, the, uh, Travis Everett, who had come out of uh, Mexico at the time, uh, built a school at the end of my complex. And uh, I watched it uh, becoming built and was the first student to enlist into the um, uh, Shotokan system under Grandmaster Travis Everett and then also Larry Shelton. Now understand that, um, you know, uh, George Minshew, Grandmaster George Minshew was down well, the street. Let me, let me stop you there, Barry. Let me stop there for a minute. Okay, Travis Everett, for people who are listening, was a great competitor, and, you know, he was well-known. But I got, when you mentioned Bel Air and Bel Air High School, you know, I lived in the Bel Air Blockbuster Academy when I first moved to Texas for four years. And George Minshew literally let me live in that school. Now, were you there when that school was there, the Bel Air Blockbuster Academy? Absolutely. And, in fact, uh, really? we used to go – We used my brother and I both used to go to his school uh, when he had the three-month specials, which were 1999, and you would get yeah. a uniform and everything. And, uh, well, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were you at the Bel Air School in the Strip Center or the one I was, was on actually Bel Air Boulevard? Yes, and, and guess what was across the street? My Humdor uh, uh, master, my Kung Fu master was across the street. He was the only one that was the real teacher, uh, the Supreme Grandmaster of Hungar Kung Fu. And his nephew which was on the other end of Bel Air behind the Chinese food restaurant, he was teaching, uh, he was teaching us pretending he was the master. 
until we went to George Menzies, 1999 a month, and then shot across the street to see the, the Hungar school that opened and found out that he was the real uh, Hungar okay. master and that the okay. kid was, let me, let was me, his let nephew. You, let me ask you another question. Hold on. Now, you say Hungar Kung Fu now. You know, I was very close to a lot of Kung Fu guys in the East there. Were you there when Victor Chen was there, too? Victor Chen? Uh I, I don't know Chen as much as I did Paul Sai and those guys. Uh, and, right. and um, the, you know, Master Wen, the guy across the street, he was Vietnamese and he was also Chinese. So his hungar was really pretty stout, but he was a short right. guy. And, and uh, he had a, a black student there that was so cool. I wish I could remember his name. But he, he and I got off to the side and we really did cross some, some arms together. And um, we're talking but, uh, about yes. history here now. We're talking about the sixties and Prince. early seventies and you know, I got there in yes. eighty eighty one. So you're talking you were talking the early seventies. Right. Yeah, in nineteen seventy three, uh that's when um I started a twin dragon integrated martial arts system that incorporated uh the Shotokan, the Hapkido uh, also, the wrestling and the judo, uh, fencing, and hand-to-hand systems. Uh, my older right. brother was my first student at that time, and we were all going to visit with um, uh, our grandmaster, uh, Travis Everett, who was fighting Ross Scott for the world title uh, at that time in kickboxing. Uh, while yeah. he was doing that, he, he enlisted some of us to do kickboxing fights, and I was one of those who became his first uh, black belt kickboxers and fought that thing. How'd, how'd you end up in Dallas with uh, Raymond and Billy Jack and Tim Kirby and Guy Mister? Mike, Mike Hughes, Mike Hughes, Lane Hughes, uh, all of those great uh, participants in martial arts, the leaders, the pioneers, the legends, the icons. Uh, I fought Brad Heston uh, sometimes. Uh, uh, I fought, uh, you know, Alexio a little bit. Uh, uh, Raymond McCallum and I did some full contact rounds together. Uh, Guy Metzger and I have done full contact. Raymond Monday, uh, Kenny Wiseman. I, I have um, participated uh, oh, yeah, in martial arts. Guys, yeah. yeah, so in 1978, uh, my mother had to move from Houston to Dallas, and okay. uh, we were having to leave. Our, our Houston uh, Patriots, and uh, we headed to to Dallas, and uh, that's where I met uh, Mike Hughes, Lane Hughes, uh, Ray McCallum, uh, and then Royce Wait, Young. Stop! Royce, stop! Royce stop, Young. Stop! Barry, stop! I, you mentioned yes, Mike sir. Hughes. I got to tell you a funny story. This is a funny story. Back in the days, whatever, when I was, you know, back in the early days, the seventies and eighties. We all used to warm up with each other before we fight. Do you remember? And we, and we, I'd warm up with the lightweight guys because I figured if I could hit lightweight guys and warm up, I'd hit the heavyweight guys easy. Well, <laughs> I, this is so funny. This is at Jesse Benavides' Rest in Peace Tournament the Battle of Texas. And I was warming up with a man named Al Garza. And Al got oh, done. Oh, God. And a, a, then a young man came up to me. He was wearing a red, white, and blue flag, United States gi, and he had his old, his black boy was old and tattered. And he came up to me and he said, Mr. Lee, you want to go a couple rounds? And I, I looked at him and I said, sure. I knew he was from Dallas, but I never met him before. His name was Mike Hughes. And I knew oh that he was God. 
I knew he was Chuck Timmons instructor. So anyway, Mike right. and I are working out, and Mike hits me with a right cross and knocks me out cold. Okay, this is before <laughs> the tournament. Before the tournament. Now here's the funny part. Nobody wanted to touch me because I was knocked out. Fred Simon, you know who Fred Simon is? Oh yes, the first sir. First junior of black belt, black Caucasian. Your brother became a black belt under Junior in Texas. He picked me up, and someone says, "Give him mouth to mouth resuscitation." And Simon <laughs> goes, Fred Simon goes, "I ain't gonna give my little baby resuscitation, but I'll shake him." <laughs> and he literally shook me awake. When I woke up, Fred Simon was looking at me. My cues was laughing, but my cues knocked me out cold before the tournament yeah. started. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. Mike Hughes was a that little badass. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it, you know, it, it's interesting because in that time, uh, 1963, 1964, uh, coming out of Houston and then heading into Dallas in 1978, we found a whole different diamond. I mean, this was a place where Alan Steen uh, had started in 1964 to create, you know, Texans Karate Club. And, you know, James Tony and uh, Marion Erickson and Jack Erickson and Ray Cathley and Royce Young and, and uh, Tim Kaya and all those guys, all guys uh, Skipper yeah. Mullins and, and, in fact, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keith Yates and, and uh, you know, D.P. Hill. And I've got, uh, I've got the certificate here showing uh, the 25-year reunion and the 40-year reunion and some of those guys who are still around today. Uh, well, you know, I wrote them, to D.P. Back in, he was like, I think, my fifth or sixth roast. And DP, he thought I was crazy, but we got along great. He was a good guy. I like DP. He's a good, <laughs> he, you know what everybody always called uh, DP Hill on the side, don't you? Uh, the four fingers of death. Four fingers of death. And we know why. That's right. Well, because, because he, he could not have a thumb. Let me tell you something. <laughs> he hit me so hard with that. That that thumb, well, it wasn't a thumb, but it was a nub. At Al Garza's seminar one day, it, we had such a good time. But we had a good time, DP and I, because I used to fight a lot of the students, Chuck Timmons and Calvin yeah. Cross and all those guys. Well, there was a, the, God bless yeah, DP, You know, I got to tell you, Professor Lee, uh, the, the, the times in Texans, uh, you know, spending from 1978 uh, all the way into 2004, uh, it wasn't just traditional karate that was going on in that particular school because uh, a, a man named Walt Mason, the great Walt Mason, stepped in Rest and in grabbed me up yeah. uh, in the early 80s and said, I want you to fight um, heavyweight championship title fights in kickboxing. So you were part of and, TACA? Uh, so, yeah, I was you part, part of TACA. You were part of TACA? I was part of TACA uh, also uh, after the um, – after being part of Travis Everett's uh, fighting team and competition team in kickboxing, uh, I, w- I jumped into uh, uh, Taka in the uh, Pitbull Club. Uh, that was where I met uh, Raymond Mundy and, and uh, Kenny Wiseman uh, and a lot of the guys that were, were training in that cool. particular dojo just kind of uh, dissipated as I moved and made my mark in that particular dojo. Uh, in fact, okay, uh, now let me ask time, you, when did you... When did you leave Dallas and go live in Florida now where you live? Well, you know, after after um, 
after the Texas stint, uh, up into uh, 2012, uh, I was training in um, mostly into the Texas uh, karate uh, leagues, which was uh, cool. But I moved to Florida uh, with my lorry about 2012. And uh, 2012, we came down and, and started uh, doing our thing in, in Florida. Uh, so it's, so um, now we have Twin Dragon Integrated Martial Arts of Collier County. And we also yeah. have a building company and uh, all kinds of stuff. We do all kinds of things. Well, you know, <laughs> I want to tell my li- li- listeners that recently in October, the Sport Crowd Museum promoted you to your A3 black belt. And also this year, the United States Bible Hall of Fame, be, you being nominated by the History Journal, you're going to be inducted into that. So congratulations on what you've done, your career. And I appreciate you so much, Barry, being a part of the museum and the vision that I've had for 30 years. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm be honest with you, Barry. I remember when I was in the basement of Sam Chapman's karate school living there in the early 70s and I would wake up in the middle of the night and some of the black belts would say I'd be screaming Texas, Texas, Texas and they wouldn't understand because I was preparing myself to move to Texas you know I didn't know how but I was going to because now I'm going to make you laugh I didn't I, you know, I wasn't the nicest guy 30 years ago, we'll say that. But to me, Texas, Texas was the place I could go to and I could hit people many times, many people, without ever being arrested. Isn't that crazy? But that's a mentality yeah. I had. Today, you know, and, yeah. you know, it, it was fun fighting in Texas and the Louisiana Kunasi guys because they would fight. It wouldn't be playing tag. It wouldn't be raising your hand up after you pretended you hit somebody. You really fought, you know, and it was really a lot of fun. You know, I'm proud of being a Texan, and I'm proud to talk yeah. to you because you got a great I'm history proud. in Texas. Now, you know, the neat thing about the museum, Barry, is that I get to put amazing people together and – that's what I feel I've done with you in this past couple of years. And, you know, it's just going to get better and better and better. Now, don't go nowhere, okay, because i got to do a couple segments, but I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to hit you with what we call a legend's name game. And this is where I hit you with a name, and you talk about it for about two minutes, and then we go on to another name. And it was created about eight years ago with a man named Bob White. So I do this as a closing of the show. So Barry, don't go nowhere, okay? I'm here. Okay, buddy. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen and my listeners from around the world now, because now we're in eight different countries, we'll be right back with Texas's own Barry Byers. And I'm so honored to talk to him. Like I said, he's from Texas. But we've got a couple segments that we do every week now. And I'm really excited about, about what we do. We, we got one that's called The Six. And this is where we have six different opinions on various subjects that we bring up to the public. Now, sometimes, you know, it's not something that we want to talk about, or sometimes it's something that needs to be talked about. 
But it, mostly it deals with martial artists and their attitude. And tonight, tonight's question is real simple, okay? Other than punching and kicking, self-defense, fighting, and tournaments, what have you learned in your journey? Well, I've got a very, very special guest tonight. And before I introduce the first lady of the panel, this is another lady. And I talked about her earlier in the show. She's a mentor of mine. Honestly, I really enjoy talking to her because she's so much smarter than I am, especially on the radio. She has her own radio show, and she's very special. So I want to introduce to you the one and only Karen Eden Herdman. Karen, are you there? Hey, hey, I'm right here. Okay, and, now don't uh, go to work because I got, I got a special moment for you. Barry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Barry. Barry yes. Byers. Okay. Can you I hear me? I know that you have an Indian uh, attitude and culture in your background, and I'm going to ask you to do a special chant that you showed me on your video earlier for my special guest tonight. Karen Eden heard me. So when you're ready, go ahead for Karen to <laughs> Oh boy, okay, we'd be happy. Let's see. Second there, my whole household just stood up and went, "What the heck is going on?" Cool. <laughs> well, I want you to answer my question, Karen. Other than punching and kicking in self-defense, fighting in tournaments, what have you learned in your journey? Uh, in my martial arts journey, I got to tell you, Professor, the kicking and the punching was probably the the last thing uh, that was ever emphasized. Tung Sudo is as most of you know, is, is extremely uh, into the inter- internal aspects of martial arts. And we always say, while we do teach you to kick and punch, and some of the best world champions like Chuck Norris have learned how to kick and punch and have done very well at it, our emphasis is on the internal aspect that you will become a very good person and an outstanding citizen in your community. That's what Tung Sudo really emphasizes. Well, you know, you, you, know, you know I honor the women every few years. And uh, the thing I remember mostly is that the guys in the early years were, honestly, they were jealous. They didn't want the women to be a part of the so-called man sport called sport karate. And you've been against the grain, not only in the business of the media, but also in karate. But now you are a national master of Tang Fudo, and you, you know, you're an amazing lady. Now, have you changed at all since you made a master's rank in Greenville that we had for you? 
Well, actually, Professor, uh, I think I got the rank of master around 2002. What I tested for in Greenville last year was seventh Dan, which is grandmaster. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Excuse yeah. me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of female masters out there. I got a lot of sisters with that rank, actually. Uh, but grandmaster, a female grandmaster, especially in Tung Sudo, that is actually quite rare, as you know. Well, let me make you laugh a little bit. When I got on the plane with Bobby Lowe and Kishiro since they put me on the plane in Hawaii, I was 14 years old, and I really thought that in fifth degree, you know, black belt lives in waterfall in Okinawa, Japan, somewhere. I never dreamed that meeting. Yodan, fourth, fifth, or let alone the sixth or seventh degree black belt. So, God bless you, Karen. Thank you for being on the show tonight. That was so special, and I appreciate it. So, go, don't go nowhere. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Absolutely. I'd like to say hi to everybody. Barry, brother, good, good to hear you out there, and, uh, Got my sisters on your show. I can hear them. And uh, thank you, guys, oh. and have a safe and happy holiday season. Now, going on, the lady of the show every week, she's a former PKL champion. She trains in Shonu Karate, and she's a Kung Fu expert. I'm talking about the amazing Karen Slasher. Karen, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> the amazing Karen Slacker, I love it. I want a T-shirt. The checks in the mail. The checks in the mail. I know. <laughs> Hi, Karen. Karen. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> a lot of Karens on the show tonight. Only <laughs> best. Okay. okay, Karen. Other than punching and kicking and self-defense and fighting and tournaments, what have you learned in your journey, Karen? Oh, okay, I was very young. I was eight years old, and I remember saying that I had, when I first started judo, that I had found something bigger than myself. I always had the feeling that the martial arts was so much bigger than than I could find out, that I was here to explore that. I knew that that's what I would do my whole life, and that was in 1959. So I, I couldn't wait. To, uh, to see what was around the next corner. I wanted to learn it all in, in a year, of course. And uh, what I did learn was that the greatest gift that you can give your teacher is to practice. You know, right. that, that was everything. If you just went out there and tried and practiced, it made them feel so happy. And then later on, I learned it as a teacher, that when you have a student that practices because they want to, that's just the greatest thing at all. And the other thing I learned was that the chi, the energy, will fight for you. Once you build it up to a certain body awareness, it will go before you, and it will fight for you. So that's yes, one of the greatest things I learned. Well, you're an amazing lady, and I, I, I appreciate you so much and what you've done. I wish you a very Merry Christmas, Karen. Well, thank you. You're an amazing heart. man. Okay, well, thanks. No, I'm a lucky Hawaii boy, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> now, moving right along, did David Chambers call him yet? David, are you there? Okay, David, I miss you. Okay, moving right along. This, I'm a young man. He's a young man in my eyes. 
he is a creator or co-creator of the famous Black Karate Federation, known as the BKF. He worked at Black Belt Magazine as a graphic designer. He has trained many, many, many champions. He was under the tutelage of Mr. Joe Lewis, and he also, about a few years ago, when John Matividad was you know, alive and we got to roast him at that event, he presented the Sport Crowder Museum, the Joe Lewis Black Belt, and I'm talking about the one and only Jerry Smith. Uncle Jerry, are you there, sir? Yes, sir, I am. Well, Merry Christmas, young man. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Well, doing fine. I, I can't wait for you to answer this, because I, I know this is going to be an amazing moment. Here we go. Other than punching and kicking and self-defense and fighting, which is your specialty, and tournaments, which was your specialty, what have you learned in your journey, Uncle Jerry? Well, I would have to say this. After spending over 50 years in the martial arts, I, I've always been a practitioner of uh, the Bushido Code, the Bushido Code, which is what the samurais practice. And what I found uh, through teaching, I mean, I taught high school, I taught night school, and I also taught on the college level. And after I retired, I came back and worked with uh, some at-risk kids, gang members <laughs> from different gangs, and uh, uh, Nartenos, Bloods, Crips. And uh, what I found out, what I, one of the things that I found out about the martial arts is there's something magical built into martial arts. Now, let me explain this. What I mean is I've seen guys come into martial arts, especially young guys, that were bullies and, uh, you know, guys who thought they were badasses. But there's something happened. There's something that happens to in martial arts when you truly study the physical, the mechanical, the academic, and psychological makes a chain. And they lose that fear of trying to be bad. And I've never seen a person enter the martial arts with an attitude and leave with a bad attitude. It's almost impossible for me to explain, but I know most of the people on this show understand it. There's something that happens. And uh, and that is what's kept me uh, uh, involved in martial arts for all these years, that magic. And the magic is... What's interesting is everybody thinks that the magic is in the techniques and mechanics and all the things that you're learning. No, the magic is is in the person. It's, it's already there. But the training in the martial arts taps into that special magic that is built into every human, and uh, something really beautiful happens. And uh, Yes, sir. That's that's what I found. That's what I found in the martial arts. Well, Sorry, you've had an you amazing said. career, and I, I tell you, one of my highlights in my career was being put into the Ed Parker's Black Ball Hall of Fame with you a few months ago in Las Vegas, and that was very special. And you know, you're a very special man. You've got a special 
special background, and I'm very honored to have you on this show every week. And I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas to the world and let people know how important you are. So thank you, Uncle Jerry Smith, for being on this show, sir. God well, bless you. Well, Mer- Merry Christmas to you, my brother. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Now, the protege, you had a lot of proteges, but this young man, he's a professor. He teaches full-time. He's an amazing father, but he's also my web designer for the Sport Karate Museum. He's a 10-3 black belt, a, an amazing man, very smart, and I'm, I love to have him on the show, and I want his opinion. Tom, are you there, sir? Yes, and Merry Christmas to you, Gary, and the family as well. Merry Christmas, Tom. Now, I'm going to ask you, buddy, other than punching and kicking, which you're damn good at, self-defense, fighting, and tournaments, what have you learned in your journey? Well, I think we we pretty much all share the foundational qualities that the martial arts have fostered, things that we learned along the way that were – you know, folded into the, the technical aspects of the physical and the mental, things like honor and duty and perseverance and service. Those are things that, that are hallmark, you know, uh, portions of the journey. Um, and those things, um, you know, to be held accountable for those pieces of knowledge and being able to, to live them and to share them with others, especially our juniors and the people that we're fostering, it's a, such a, a wonderful privilege, but at the same time also a very, very strong and important, um, you know, responsibility. The things that I found in the, you know, now at the, in the six decades that I've been plus that I've been doing martial arts is the things like uh, discipleship and really understanding my relationship with my teachers, like, uh, you know, Grandmaster uh, Jerry Smith was just on. And the values and the the uh, the trust that um, they fostered in me for giving me you know such very very personal portions of themselves, and because of that, um, the responsibility that I I feel strongly about in the stewardship of a legacy, making sure that uh, what we have learned, and really making sure that what we have learned we've learned well, and that we can articulate it. And then we can pass it on in its fullest portion so that the student and uh, the, the senior uh, eventually will be able to do just the same to the next generation is such an important part of what we do. And hopefully everything that we've done, the honor, duty, uh, including things like compassion and mercy <laughs> and that we've learned along the way and we fostered amongst ourselves and that we have uh, helped to try and you know, build into our relationship with our juniors so that uh, they can there, therefore pass it on to the next generation, that that legacy is, has the integrity that uh, we are uh, due to pass on and to, um, to be thankful to our teachers that have entrusted us with that information. So those are the things that I find to be so important uh, that I learned uh, in do you know in lieu of the fact that we yeah we punching and kicking uh, we all learned it we all did it uh, and uh, and we still do it but it's a vehicle it's a physical and mental vehicle that the spiritual part will outlast outlast that physical you know a portion of our of our being in time but uh, yes, sir. 
other part is enduring and eternal, and that's what we that that's what we we carry with us and also pass on. Wise words from a wise man. Well, wishing your lovely wife and all six of your kids and all your grandkids, which is going to fill your house up, a very merry Christmas, Tom. God bless you, buddy. God bless you and the same your family as well. Thank you, Professor. Now, did David get the call in yet, David Chambers? Yes, sir. Can you hear me, sir? Hey, David. You finally made it. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, listen, buddy. Yes, sir. David Chambers is the president of the AOK, which is the governing body that governs sport karate in Texas. He's also a MVP, Golden Greek winner, and a very, very informal guest speaker at my event and, of course, on the 6th. So, David, very, very, very bluntly, other than punching and kicking, which you're good at, great at, self-defense, which you're great at, fighting, which obviously you've been MVP and go to Greek winner many times, you're great at, and, of course, tournaments. What have you learned in your journey other than all those other things? <laughs> One is the virtue that goes without saying. And two is to promote others. Uh, I think it is extremely important to be able to promote others as a, as a student, as a, an international instructor. I'm excited about the AOK. They just had their, uh, their event this weekend. It was fabulous. Everybody was happy. And some of the opportunities that have been put forward for others, we brought on six new producers. They're excited about the, uh, the world. We're about to have our first ever, first ever AOK uh, banquet that's going to be designed to promote people real heavily. They're going to do what they call an awards banquet, and it is actually a Hall of Fame, the AOK Hall of Fame. I'm excited about it because it's going to promote others. And it's something where so we find people to say. the AOK Hall of Fame plus the, yes. the Golden Greek Award? Yes. Cool. Uh, yes. And I'm excited about it because it gets to recognize a lot of a lot of people that's given to the art. And I think that's what I think the biggest focus that, that I have at this point is how to recognize others to promote others so they can become better individuals. Uh, and Great. when they give back, that is where I think one of the best attributes of the art. Receiving it, receiving is good, but giving back is uh, is a beautiful thing. And to watch these people be praised from children to adults, that's what I think is one of the best things about it. And I'm going to get a chance to watch this this coming year. Well, spoken wisely from the president of the AOK. And thank you, David. And I want to say to your kid and Jacoby, who's your kid, and the two boys, and your family, a very special Merry Christmas, my friend. I mean that from the heart. God bless you. Yeah. Oh, thank hey, you, one more sir. thing before you go. Make sure you call me tomorrow. I got something special to share with you, okay? Ah, yes, sir. I will do. I will do. Super, super. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I said, Adrian Perry is taking the night off. But my other co-host, the man that Joe Lewis let me adopt before he passed. And I'm so proud of him. NASCAR world champion, Mr. Dean Pyle. Dean, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay. 
other than punching, kissing, which you're damn good at. <laughs> Self-defense, which is you're amazing at. Fighting, which is what I'm going to say. You are the one of the best fighters I've ever seen, and you still one of the best tournament competitors I've ever seen. But what have you learned in your journey, Dean, besides well, all that? I learned how to dance. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't. I can't dance awake. I just. I just said that. Um, I tell you what. I, I learned first of all. I learned about myself. Martial arts teaches you a lot about yourself, who you are when you're by yourself. Um, you know that. That's one thing I learned. I also learned about. You know, two things about people. I learned about the ugly side of people, and I learned about the good side of people. And, you know, martial arts has a way of bringing all of that out, mostly good, but, you know, sometimes jealousy rears its, rears its ugly head. But I learned how to deal with that kind of stuff and how to maneuver around people that are not about helping promote others, as Mr. Chambers was saying, but are just about their self-gratification, their ego, and things like that. So you learn how to... Distance yourself from those people while maintaining a smile and a good attitude and keeping martial arts going the way it should be going. Because you put yourself around good people like are on this radio show um, that are full of positivity and things like that. Now, you know, always with the kicking it with the Wolverine and stuff, you want me to talk about things that sometimes are controversial. But, you know, the the main thing I've learned, yeah. The main thing that that I've learned is, you know, the great spirit um, that most people have. And you know what? I want to say right quick to the world should look at martial arts competitions because martial arts competitions um, lead the way in showing the world. People can come together from all different races, religions, all different walks of life into one arena uh, pretty much every weekend somewhere around the world and enter into a combative sport and no riots break out, no craziness breaks out, no hatred breaks out. Everybody still loves each other at the end of the day. You may have rivalries, and that's good and that's healthy, but you don't have usually have hate. Now, they may be one or two, but there's no hate. Martial arts is a, is a great bridge to erase hate. It's like being in the military because everybody in the military is Marine Corps Green, you know, or Army Green or whatever. But, you know, everybody in the the martial arts, you know, is just there for the martial arts. It it doesn't matter. And that is is one thing that I like about it so good is you can fellowship with so many different people and learn so many different things. Um, And it's good to be cultured, and that's what martial arts has taught me, to always listen to people because God gives you two ears for you to do twice as much listening as to do talking so that you can learn a lot of stuff about people, and that will help you a long way in your well, life you, in a lot of ways. You make a lot of, sense, make a lot of sense there because it took me years to become a good listener because, you know me, I'm a talker. <laughs> but being a good listener is, is important. But thank you, and I want to say this to your lovely girlfriend and to all your students, and especially to you and your service dog. 
a very Merry Christmas, Dean. And I appreciate you so much, buddy. And I appreciate your thank opinion. Thank you, sir. And when Merry you Christmas are, to I, you, too. Well, thank you, sir. And, you know, the neat thing about the sex is that these men and women that we have on this opinionated part of the show, they've lived martial arts in America for the past 30, 40 Know, 50 years, like Uncle Jerry's been around since the 60s. I mean, these guys are amazing. So I'm going to ask everybody on the six and our special guest tonight, Karen, to make sure that you tell somebody to subscribe to the show because I want to hit that 14,000 mark for December for what Auntie Jesse Bowen asked for us to do. So we only need like a like hundred and a few people. And between the six of you guys, I know you got a hundred friends that would love to listen to you talk next year as much as you talk this year. So, guys, please tell people to subscribe and let's get that fourteen thousand mark done for December. So, again, thank you, thank you, the six, and I mean that. Merry Christmas. Now, moving right along, one of my favorite segments. We've been doing it for the past year, or a couple of years, I guess, going on. We brought on an inventor of, well, I know you guys know what virtual reality is, but this is a different concept. This is a hologram. This is a history journal portals. This is a village that you can actually walk around in. It's amazing. So I'll let him explain it a little bit. I've got the inventor of the amazing set VR on the air. Reggie, are you there? Dr. Lee? Yes. Good, good evening, sir. How's everyone doing? Good evening, sir. Good evening. Yeah, tell people about what Set VR is and how they get involved with Oscars Quest Two and how they can see the demo by going to Google and typing setvr.app. But anyway, I'll let you go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Yes. Uh, we continue to be super excited about Set VR, self-defense enhancement training and virtual reality as a platform where one can continue to practice their skills in self-defense anytime, anywhere, when you want. The program is portable and compact. You can take it when you travel, and even during a pandemic, you can continue to practice your skills in self-defense while practicing social distancing. With the Oculus Rift or Oculus Quest headset, you'll be transported to a virtual reality platform whereby a hologram will confront and attack you when you least expect it with random attacks. The goal of set VR is to be able to neutralize, to be able to neutralize an attack or a threat that is sudden, unpredictable, and random. To practice to improve your skills in evasion through angular, linear, or circular movements, to avoid and to place you in an opportunistic position of advantage for neutralization as you practice to improve your skills in timing, speed, and accuracy as you develop muscle memory, and subsequently my goal is to develop a reflex response to a threat or stimulus to neutralize without hesitation, as you would do if I tapped your knee with a, um, um, a, a knee hammer or placed your hand on a hot stove, you have a reflex, which is a reflex response. This is a platform whereby you can continue to practice and to neutralize and to be practice uh, the techniques that you were taught in your schools and in your dojos in an application of uh, a platform for practice. For, whereby you can continue to practice anytime, anywhere you want. In the future, we plan to have updates whereby you will have multiple attackers 
uh, in a home invasion or in a bar room setting, and even in a war room setting. Set VR will push you maximally to your limits in self-defense. We recently have updated our pro- program with punching, kicking, and knife attacks. As you know, knife attacks are very, very de- deadly up and close. We even have plans to have in the future to have virtual matches where Professor Gary Lee can have virtual matches with his colleagues anywhere in the country or even diff- in different parts of the world where you can interact with each other and learn from each other in regards to the application of self-defense. We've implemented a program of metrics that will record the number of punches, number of blocks, and number of evasions, whether you're right or left side dominant, and enjoyments will record as time spent in the experience. So please continue to visit our website at setvr.app. We've implemented a program of mindfulness, of stretching, meditation, exercise, and we'll also present you with your own yoga instructor. We continue to be proud to endorse Professor Gary Lee and the Sports Karate Museum to be the future platform for the history portal of his vision of the history portal for which SetVR has introduced Professor Gary Lee as the wisdom warrior at the, uh, at the history portal at the entrance of the history portal demo. It's almost like Professor Gary Lee bringing his radio show to the port- portal in virtual reality to educate the public in Japanese weaponry, the history of sports karate, and the history behind the history generals. But before you do that, before you meet Professor Gary Lee and the wisdom, as the wisdom warrior, one must neutralize the hologram attacker at the gate of the history portal. So with that being said, Professor Gary, some few words about your vision of the history portal and virtual reality. Well, I want a portal. What we're going to do with the portals, we're going to have portals like well, people like Mike Stone, Mr. Burleson, Alan Steen, to name a few of the core group. And then I'll add a new history journal every month so people can see the history of what we've done in America. And the platform is setvr.app. You can go to Google and see the demo and just type in setvr.app. APP, and you can see the demo. And Reggie, I want to say this to you, buddy. I wish you a very Merry Christmas to your team, to Marie, to Rick, and everybody. A very Merry Christmas, Reggie. I mean that from the heart, buddy. Merry Christmas, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, this is one of my favorite segments. All of my favorites, but this is one of my favorites because I get to take the release off of the Wolverine. And this was the alias of my student, Dean Piles. He created this image years ago. As you know, Wolverine is a fierce, fierce animal. And they can be controlled. But if you take the leash off and you let them just go at it, then you don't know what's going to come at you except you know it's going to be powerful. But mainly, he says what he means, he means what he says, and he can back it up. Now, tonight, I got the Wolverine asking or answering a very important question. Okay, here we go. What have you really, what have you really learned in open competition, Wolverine? And what position of positive impact does it make you feel to the people that watch you perform? Well, you know, Professor, I feel like during competition teaches you a lot of things. It teaches you humility. Um, it, it, it teaches you how to be a, a graceful winner, a graceful champion. It teaches you how to be a gracious loser because you're not really losing even if you, you know, don't take first place. 
you've learned something. And one of the main things is you get to go out there and entertain the people. So a lot of times people go to competition and they're like, okay, this guy got first place. But did he get first place with the people watching the competition? And you know as well as I do, uh, you know, you can do your, your demonstration, do your kata, your weapons, whatever, and even if you take a second or a third place, it may be every other person you pass is coming to you saying, that was absolutely amazing. And you have people that look up to you because they're watching you. So they're going to see how you win, and they're also going to see how you lose. Now, when sometimes when you lose, it's because you got bested that day. Sometimes you lose because, you know, we hate to say it, but human error took place because humans are humans. And, you know, as much as people want to say uh, martial artists are, you know, about respect and integrity, sometimes they'll do things that, you know, they wouldn't normally do because they feel like they're in the right because they feel like they're in the clique or they feel like that they're helping out the right team or the right competitive school. But, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to wash it off and realize that their validation of you is no measurement of you. Um, you know, you listen to the crowd, see how the crowd reacts, win that crowd no matter what. You are there to demonstrate your skills to show the people that are watching how well your instructors trained you. And that's why I take it so serious when I compete because I don't want anyone that watched me compete that day walk away saying he had a bad attitude or, man, that the guy won and wasn't polite about it or my technique was off. I want him to walk away saying, man, no matter what place, that guy did a great job, and I feel like I learned something, and I, it was a joy to watch him. And that, that's what you want to do. You want to make people well, happy about seeing what you can do. Well, thank you, Wolverine, and I want to wish you, the Wolverine, a very Merry Christmas, okay? I hope you get lots thank of you, fresh sir. meat for Christmas Day. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Me too. I, mean, I want to make sure. Well, listen. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That was three minutes with the Wolverine. And I appreciate you guys so much. Barry, are you there? Barry Myers. You know I am. Okay. Let me hit you with a couple names because I only got a few minutes left. So the first name I want to hit you with, one of the co-partners of Taka with the head referee, Phil Wyman. Did you ever meet Phil Wyman? Phil Wyman. Um, He he was a head referee for Taka. Yeah, he actually was one of the first uh, Texas uh, champions that went uh, 11 straight wins in a row, I believe. And mine, and I had 19. Um, so, yeah, he, he actually came into uh, Walt Mason's studio uh, back in 1978 and was training with us. Uh, and back there, in the back there was uh, Raymond Monday, Kenny Wiseman, myself. Uh, Phil Wildman, Steve Goen, uh, Mike Burns, Sante Wilson, and uh, many of the the great champions that uh, we know of today. Uh, my older brother, uh, my coach, he was also there. 
So, um, yeah, I, I know, I know Phil Wombard very well. He was a great judge, and I, I knew that he was very close to Walt Mason. Now, another yeah. Dallas person that you mentioned, were you friends with Sante Wilson? You know, because he was a sheriff, I believe. Were you friends with Sante yeah, Wilson? Yeah, uh, Sante Wilson had a lot of patience with my outlaw behaviors uh, through my through my time there, but we became very close friends and brothers. Uh, he was one of the few uh, that would get in the ring uh, with me as a heavyweight. Steve Gowen, also a, a one of the lighter guys. Uh, there was a, there was a few guys that just did, could not get in there with me at my weight. Uh, I was about 225 pounds uh, going to 205 at fight weight. Most of those guys were yeah. 150s and 145s, and uh, they were very light. I remember Bird coming in, and uh, he would uh, do some training with us, and uh, he was a middleweight. Uh, lots of great champions moved through that gym at Walmart. Sante Wilson was an amazing human being as well. Well, I want to wish you and Mary, uh, Mary, you and Barry, a very Merry Christmas. And I'll be in touch with you, you know, pretty, you know, you know, real soon. I'll talk to you before Christmas. But thank you for being on the show tonight, Barry. It means a lot. Oh, man, yeah. thank you, brother. I just, in, in closing, I just got to say that the awakened enlightenment is like rebirth to our wellness. And so yes, in sir. this enlightenment, you know, I look at things like acupuncture and healing herbs. I love you, brother. Merry Christmas to everyone. And thank you well, for you having too, me on Barry. this wonderful show. I support a sports karate museum with all my heart. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Now, in closing, I want to say something very special because we got confirmation, you know, a couple of days ago of these special people who are coming October the 8th to speak to, about Judge Roy Kerbin and to speak about the Sports Karate Museum. Confirmation, Karen Eden Herbert, special speaker, who is a media expert, of course, Joe Corley, who created the Battle of Atlanta, Don Rodriguez, the coach of the John Paul Mitchell National Karate Team, Mr. Dennis Cox, a retired police officer. This is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Ron Martini, handpicked by Elvis Presley to fight the new gladiators. General Tom Mulligan, an American hero, and one of my favorite people, PKA, undefeated world champion, Bill Wallace. All these people will be in Houston October the 8th on behalf of Judge Roy Kerman and the Sport Crime Museum. And again, on behalf of the Sport Crime Museum, the sick, the Wolverine, Uncle Jesse Bowen, and all the people that listen to us, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And we mean that from the heart. God bless you guys, and then we do these play every week, and we mean it from the heart. Mahalo and aloha. Mahalo. Bye-bye. Mahalo, aloha. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye, guys. Chapisa Lecho, escalate.